Welcome to The Soul Connection, an exploration of the interconnectivity between our social influencers, physical and emotional well-being, with a spark of spirituality. Please welcome your host, The Soul Doctor, Dr. Christiane Lefferts, known as Dr. K. So welcome to The Soul Connection. We are back again, and we have an exciting roundtable coming out of Scottsdale, Arizona today at the Scottsdale Sports Medicine Institute which is home of Dr. David Carpano, and you have a long history in sports medicine. Joining us, we have CEO and author Brian Hazelgren, president of the Association of Professional Ballplayers of America. Nailed it. Nailed it. Cameron Lowe, and accountant extraordinaire, and he's a, a mighty man of God and connector, Eddie Tintoco. And this is going to be a, a really great exchange because we have a whole room of people who are interested in healing, our brethren that have been in the fight, that have, through their own pain and agony, have actually uh, learned hard lessons that they want to bring forward things that really help. And this is kind of a season for the non-traditional methodologies. And so that's what this room and this discussion is about. So we wanted to open it up with Brian and have him just share a little bit of why this is so important. What happened to you? How did you get going on this road? And then we'll kind of have an exchange. So thank you very much, Chrissy. It's an honor to be here, especially with these three gentlemen and uh, their histories and all that they are going to be bringing to this discussion today. Back when I was in college, uh, I had a promising career ahead of me in sports. I was uh, I ran real fast back then. It was 30 pounds ago, so now I did an oxygen mask as well. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I used to run really fast and uh, had a, a great career ahead of me with the NFL. Um, I also uh, was drafted out of high school to play baseball uh, for one of the major league organizations as well. So. What happened was I kept getting concussions. Now, back in the 80s, when you would receive a concussion, the coaches, even the doctors would say, you know what, shake it off, go sit on the bench for a little while, get some water, uh, get a little bit of rest in you, and we'll put you back in the game. We didn't understand protocols then as we do now. So I all of a sudden found myself coming home from practice one night, and I had had my bell rung pretty badly during, during practice, and I started seeing a floating ring of fire in my right eye. Next thing I know, it, it was like someone taking a black piece of paper and slowly covering my eyes, and and then I passed out. Woke up in the hospital, and doctor, you know, wanted to know what had happened. He says, well, you've had a concussion, and uh, that was the first time. This, it, this happened two more times later on. So I was told by the physicians all of a sudden that, yeah, you're really talented, and you're really fast, and the pro scouts love your speed, but I can't recommend that you go to the next level. You're pretty much done at this point. I was told by my coaches and the doctors that you can't play football anymore. That was devastating for a kid that my entire life, my, my dream was to be a professional athlete. Well, not only did it wipe out football because of the head trauma, all of a sudden now I, I was told that well, you can't play baseball either because if you get hit in the head with a baseball on a, on a bad pitch, or if you get, uh, you know, if you, I was a center fielder, if you crash into the wall again, like we've seen happen before, you got knocked out one time doing that. So your baseball career is also done. And I was also a, a track athlete, so I ran the 100 and the 200 meters. Every time when I would run those events, after all this head trauma, I would trigger another migraine, and I'd see that floating ring of fire in my eye, and I'd be down for the next day or two. I'd have to be in a dark room. So fast forward to what we're experiencing now, I'm very interested in helping further the discussion and break down the barriers of anyone that's had head trauma or anyone that's experiencing uh, PTS, post-traumatic stress. Uh, don't really like to call it the disorder. I know some organizations drop the D, so I'll do the same. But at the same time, we've got some really difficult times that we're dealing with. Um, one of the stories that for me became personal was even during the pandemic. Uh, there were, you know, I'd, I'd never heard of rank and file employees being discussed in the same realm of post-traumatic stress disorder. That wasn't a topic for 
normal employees. Well, after the pandemic, that's now at the top of the list of topics, and corporations are doing a, a, an amazing work now trying to help the employees get over that stress, that trauma that they've gone through because of the pandemic and the lockdowns and the mandates and even companies going out of business and people losing their jobs. So all those things together, it all started with me as an athlete where I was told I could never play my sports ever again at that level. But then now today we work with a lot of patients, we work with a lot of employees who are experiencing some of those same issues. And we do the training and have some protocols to help them. But now what I love about sitting here with Dr. Carfano, with Cameron, with Eddie, with you, we're all in that same discussion to figure out, okay, I can do, I'm in this silo. I can do these things to help that individual. Now I'm going to pass them over to Dr. Carfano and he's going to help them. So that's why I'm just honored to be here today because we all take a collective role in what we do to help individuals find better health and wellness. Yes, and we're really talking about solution base here and that, you know, working as an island onto ourselves kind of miss some pieces. And when you can start working as a collective for the betterment of people, then all of a sudden what you have to contribute sparks an idea on, you know, someone else from their years and repertoire of who they've served because we all come together with like a catalog of experiences right. to share and exchange what worked, what didn't. Um, you've been trained by some people. I've been trained by another group of people. And, and it's the synergy mm-hmm. that really can, can break down some barriers. So I, I love your, the fact that you're so open with your story, what it, how it has motivated you. So you took <coughs> the, the lemons of life and now you're making lemonade out of it. Right. And that's one of the things that we really have to do coming out of this pandemic as a whole. Um, I know we were releasing a program that had to do with automatic negative thoughts. And uh, it was about to go into the school, the social rows, because they always need speakers. But it has to do with your brain chemistry actually changing according to the thought process you put in, whether it's automatically negative or, or positive. And it really does start to dictate and, and really steer your destiny. So, Dr. Carpanio, I would love for you to share some of your work in this field, how the battlefield of the mind really is important, some of the things you've done you know, to deal with sports injuries, especially when it deals with the mind. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the military, because Eddie, you're a retired veteran, and, and Cameron... We've had an exchange already about some of your health uh, therapies and how they help pain, but we're also going to take that one step further into the energy of healing in the mind. Because there are some physical things we can do, but, you know, we also have to take control of the battlefield in the mind, our thought process, and the spiritual realm as well. So it's, it's, it's not single pole. It's not one dynamic. It, it's all of those things. So go ahead. No, that's a great story. I'm like Brian. I uh, I played collegiate football and soccer, and because of injuries, was taken out. And my my primary focus was fitness and wellness, trained athletes. Uh, and I wanted to always the mindset was always to maximize someone's in, internal goal, whatever they wanted to be and achieve. And so I'm very I come up in a very optimistic, positive atmosphere. Like we talk about training the mind, very good family atmosphere, creating that very temporal, spatial enhancement of where we are. And I went into medicine to be an orthopedic surgeon. I went into osteopathic medicine because it's a very integrative, holistic approach. That My team physician was a DO, Dr. Paul Steingart here at Center for Sports Medicine. Uh, he's rest in uh, peace. He was a son's doc for 40 years. He took care of all my injuries. Uh, he swayed me from going physical therapy into ortho. When I when I got an opportunity, I accepted a position at the Cleveland Clinic Foundation to go internal medicine. Uh, really good institution. I was one of a very handful of DOs ever in the very allopathic realm, uh, and I did my sports fellowship there. And I worked with very high end athletes, and but I also learned from the best doctors in the world. And so when we talk about you said earlier content writer. 
I like learning the best content and then it's just like a musician. How am I going to write that out and then perform that? So that, that's the way I look at medicine is we're given content in our schools, but how are you going to perform and exhibit and deliver that content? So I always had the ability to deliver content at some level, um, but I wanted to be able to do that the way I wanted to do it with kind of a kind-hearted approach. The one thing I always talk to my athletes in the sports injury, yes, the mental side, I always slow down. I'm, I'm kind of in, I'm writing a book right now on purposely slowing down your pace in life, whether it's speaking, walking, driving, eating. I think we have certain realms. But when I'm delivering content to an athlete, whatever age, professional level, to a weekend warrior, I kind of put myself in their shoes based on all the injuries I've had too. But also, I say, listen, you're going through a process right now psychologically that your, your, chain, your routine has now changed and, and they don't have the ability to understand mentally, is it for forever or is it just a four to six week injury or is it a three month injury? So I have to be there to explain. So my, my, my approach is very algorithmic as I do. Just, I say, listen, we're gonna do this. You're gonna be, at eight weeks, this is gonna be, I almost give them a little itinerary of the human body and the recovery process. So I basically do that and on the mindset, and give them a lot of reassurance, especially if it's their first sports injury. I think that's really important because if it's their sports injury, first sports injury, they don't know. It's just an unknown. Uh, and even the chronic injuries too, like the traumatic brain injury. So at Cleveland, I was I was the author of a longitudinal research in concussions in the sports injuries, presented in front of Dr. Cantu, one of the world-renowned and authors of the guidelines on concussions in sports uh, in Zurich and the Berlin guidelines. Very intimidating time, you can imagine, because I'm presenting research in front of one of the authors. But when it comes to return to sport, it's very different <coughs> than it is with some of our uh, our veterans and chronic traumatic brain injury who are trying to return to life. And so it's very humbling, you know, at that time, because like, like Brian said, you know, it's back in the 80s, getting a, a, a concussion, a bell ringer, was sort of the rite of passage. I mean, you're playing hard, you hit hard, you get back in. But mm -hmm. we know now, and we and managers cover a lot of sporting events now, that we're really hyper vigilant on the awareness of it. So we're trying to we're backtracking and being real preventative with uh, with identifying them now. And now we're trying to help out. With it. So that's my passion, seeing even the chronic folks, like I said, the veterans and the traumatic brain in the cognitive disorders. Gamification. Hmm? Gamification. Yeah, you want in the gamification too. Yes. We want to talk. Eddie right. asked about gamifying. So yes. my practice. So I mean, I'm a little bit outside the box, as you imagine. So my practice, I uh, you know, there's some other fitness industries you can see they gamified it. You go into a gym. I won't say their names. You know, and they'll they'll use wearables and you calculate your calories, your steps, your heart rate, and they they rank you. Well, I've been doing that for seven years now in my practice and we do is we gamify patients anonymously um, so there's different challenge boards whether you're going to rank them in a delta change in your cholesterol a1c body comp vo2 steps but it gives some people sort of an incentive that hey the traditional i always look at the traditional side well mr smith here's your cholesterol your a1c your body fat, you're all right, here's your game plan, here's you know, a diet, exercise, maybe a medication, and then three months we're going to recheck you. That's what's going, that's the way we are right now. But what if you were to say, listen, I'm going to take you and we're going to put you and we're going to make it a competitive challenge for you. I think it gives them a little bit more of an incentive, it definitely does. In my practice, we've been doing it for a while. And Well, with athletes, they're naturally competitive anyways. Right. Right? That was our joke yeah. earlier. Really? You're doing that with athletes? We don't understand. What? Yeah. <laughs> That'll never work. That'll never <laughs> work. It won't work. Right back. <laughs> I go in. But my, my, when they walk through the threshold of my door, I say, you are an athlete. They're talking about the mindset. Yeah. Right? Battlefield of the mind. Right. You, you don't yeah. have to be on the ESPN ticker. All right. Even if you're in kindergarten playing kickball to club sports, high school, college, you're still an athlete. So if you get that mindset that, hey, even with the chronic traumatic brain and then a head injury, there's something deep inside that they're an athlete. 
And if you can motivate people. Uh, well, my th- oh, go, sorry. go ahead, Cam. Uh, just uh, to expand on that, with um, people that actually didn't play sports or couldn't play sports, you still are a competitor. Yeah. Right? Like inside, you know, people like to compete. Yeah. And so, yeah, competing against yourself as well as gamifying and competing against others to, you know, you got a partner or something like that. And it's, it's going to. So when we have. I think it's going to work, Doc. I think <laughs> when we have family get togethers, I have six children. Uh, and my wife and I, when we talk to our kids, and we, we always say we're going to play whatever game, right? Around the kitchen table. <laughs> and the kids will sometimes ask, well, is dad playing? <laughs> Not that dad's going to win, but dad's going to do everything he has to to win. To win, yeah. <laughs> that whole competitive nature kicks in. Yeah. And I think one, one thing that we also have to deal with when it comes to our minds, it's not just the trauma of the hard hits that were taken, you know, the, the physical side. We really have to talk about the mental aspect. And for me as a, a young man in, in his early 20s, thinking I had a great career ahead of me, that was my life's passion. That's what I had built my whole life around. Now, all of a sudden, I was told, you can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You've got to go finish your degree in, in college. Wait a second. I was planning on making money, building a fam- or having a family, building my lifestyle around the money I was going to make as a professional athlete. All these coaches and doctors are saying I was really talented. So that's the path that I was on. Now, all of a sudden, it was taken away. Now you, you introduce a whole new line of, of things that have to be dealt with, not just with athletes, but even employees that are now told you, you, have, you, know, you don't have a job anymore. Because of the pandemic, we're going to shut down. Whatever that reason may be, now we've got an entire system that has to kick in, not necessarily from physical injury, but mental injury where they've been told you've got to do something different. You've got to change your lifestyle. And that's why I got passionate, too, about the, the secondary aspect. Yeah, there's physical trauma. Let's talk about the mental trauma mm-hmm. that happens afterwards. And now you have to deal with those pieces that have just fallen out in front of you. How do we put those pieces back together? Because those are the shattered lives that we really have to help. Absolutely. That's where we have to focus a lot of time and attention. That's why I love with what Cameron's doing, with what Dr. Carfano's doing, on the physical side, and we're doing that on the mental side and helping work through some of those issues. What you do in the therapy sessions afterwards, all of us come together because we have to move that individual through different areas to help them get the overall help that they need for true well-being. That's the part that I, I'm very passionate about and how we help the individual on the mental aspect and deal with those issues. Absolutely, absolutely. I want to take a a minute and divert this to the veterans' populations as well because it's very near and dear to all of our hearts. My father was a veteran. I'm actually working on building out some veteran outreach programs with this holistic Hello Brain program I was telling you about because it simplifies some very complex material, but yet there's been a good return on investment for the people. most people don't even realize that they don't even in their normal everyday diet and supplementation that they don't even have the basic needs of to support their neurotransmitters in their mind and so you're starting at a deficit you want to add on to that deficit most people are um, hypoxic and because of their oxygen lack of oxygen lack of exercise now they've been masked you know, and so they don't even have the energy to, that your cells need to make ATP. It needs that oxygen to come in. It doesn't have the right nutrients coming in. Um, when I've worked with the homeless population, a lot of them uh, eat canned foods for almost all of their needs. And in those canned foods, most of the nutrients are gone. And then we haven't even talked about the GMO, the substitute foods, the impossible meets all of these other things that are invading our market. And, you know, these foods do not have the nutritional value that we as children, when we ate an apple, you know, 50 years ago, that apple had a different nutritional content as it does today. And so... Some of some of us ate those apples only 30 years ago. When only we 30 kids. years ago. Right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Well, I was actually eating apples at 50. It might have been applesauce. (laughs) 
But um, uh, go ahead, Eddie. Yes, uh, thank you very much, uh, Dr. K. I mean, for those of us who serve, we believe that evil tribes when good people fail to act. And that's why we have bad American soldiers all over the world. These soldiers were out there fighting evil. Those who were fortunate enough to make it home alive, a lot of them made a promise to the Lord that they will do something good. Those of us who came home in 72, we immediately started giving hope to the hopeless and helping the homeless and turning them into productive citizens of our country. That movement that was started back in the early 70s has grown in huge proportion today. And all of you in this room are part of that, of helping, helping give hope to the hopeless and making the homeless productive members of our society today. And it all revolved around one word. That one word is truth. And that's our problem today. And that's why a lot of our citizens, a lot of people in the world are suffering today because of misinformation. Mm -hmm. The truth is not being told to the world, not properly being told to the world. Being an accountant, a CPA, I have sworn to protect the truth because that's part of being a CPA is auditing, making sure that everything the client provides is the truth. So I'm very focused on outcomes, not the studies. And it's the studies that has created so much misinformation today. My 26-year-old brother was a casualty. We were in the hopeless category back in February of 1983, when our doctor said that there's no hope for your brother, he'll be dead in six months. We believed the doctors were patriotic, law-abiding citizens, so we believed the doctors. On the sixth month, he was dead. He had just gotten married. Two months later, his son was born, and his wife received a quarter million dollar copay from her health insurance, from their health insurance that had to file for bankruptcy. That was October of 1983. It is now April 15, 2022, and it's still happening today. Because the truth is not being expressed out there. And it's time for the good people to act, to do something about it. Thank God, I live in Arizona. We have politicians here that are determined to make that change. And if we are really good people, then we will join forces and expose the truth and do something about it. Because there are tons of doctors here, Dr. K, Brian Hazelgren's team, Cameron's team, Dr. Carpano's team, that are creating successful outcomes. That is where we should be focusing our attention and not relying on mainstream media and politicians that are misinforming us and making us sicker. How easy is it to teach the world how to build your immune system? It's so easy. Nobody ever taught them how to build their immune system. Why isn't that in our education program if we want to have a healthier world? Something as simple as teaching our children at the lowest level how to build their immune system. That is where all the good people must act and say, enough of this. Let's include that education every single year from the time our child goes to school until at least they finish high school. Not stop teaching them how to build their immune system and all the things we're exposed to today, bad air, bad water, bad food, bad everything, will get detoxified. Because when you have a solid immune system, all of those toxins come out. Thank you very much, Dr. Day. Yeah, well, I totally agree. We have a real problem that our amendment rights are under attack. Anybody who comes out wants to share something as natural as oxygen heals and as natural as sharing what herbs can help. They're immediately under attack trying to get a message out. But these are things, these are part of our God rights. Man didn't create these herbs. God did. We're just discovering it. You know, in, in Eastern medicine, they freely tell each other what works because it's part of their culture. And it seems like our school system and our science classes, everything is getting so into theories that there's 
lack of practical application. You know, they get away with sh closing down shop classes. They get away with home ec classes. Physical education. Physical education. Exercise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah. I look and see these kids are doing math equations all day long. Yeah. And the, the, the practical application of anything is just missing. Um, I'm going to share just a little quick testimonial thing. So I had actually had a very interesting discussion with someone who was a new graduate with a public health degree. And this was quite a few years ago, but my senior project was on the morphology of the retrovirus. And so I did a lot of research on viruses and a retrovirus, as you probably know, is chronic fatigue syndrome I used and HIV because I went to ASU and HIV was a huge problem in the early 90s. And so uh, I'm sitting there talking to this public health recent graduate and everything they're saying is as if they came out of a commercial, of a, a government line. And after about three questions, they're completely lost. You know, the, the basics, okay, well, if we're talking HIV tests and you're swabbing the mouth, you're, but you're telling people it's an STD with sleeping around, isn't there a problem with that, with that uh, correlation that maybe it's not an STD? And they just look at you like, uh-oh, they can't, they can't put it together. They didn't teach us that. Level. They didn't exactly, and so you know, you just ask a couple questions, and the narrative just falls apart. And they've spent a quadrillion dollars in six years of their life learning all these narratives about you know what the CDC says, what the government says. These are the treatments, and and this is our public health protocol. You ask, start asking any science questions behind that. Boom. Then I tutored somebody who came through our program. I ran a transition home and I tutored her through her biology class in college because I was a biology major. And they take biology online. Well, guess what? I couldn't believe this. They had all of the lab because we, we spent a lot of time in labs being biology majors. But even in their introductory biology class, they didn't have a lab that they showed up to. It was all slides with pictures of slides. I couldn't believe it. It was so ridiculous. It was all about just memorizing, but there was no practical application to any of it. And I could see why they were struggling. Uh, yeah, I see you're well, itching no, to get I, in. I, I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> no, I, go I, right I, ahead. It, it, we're becoming watered down as a meta, in the healthcare industry. So I, I teach at five medical school. I'm a professor at all. There's five medical schools in the area and the NP schools. So. When I was a resident doctor in the 90s in Cleveland, if I saw it, it was very hands-on, saw a mm -hmm. patient, we obtained cultures, injections there. I did that, all right? It wasn't sent to, you know, intervention, another doctor. It wasn't delegated out. I did it. We gram stain, talking about biology here. Yeah, yeah. We, gram we, we would gram stain culture mm -hmm. and sensitivity on the spot. We would do all that. We'd have our results immediately. Like, but spot on. Now the students and, and the future doctors and nurse practitioners, they're looking at their books and then they send it to the lab and it's all done there. There's no hands on anymore. It's you're absolutely right. And it's and I think it gets back to what Eddie was saying too on the content. It's about mass content information. Don't worry about the hands-on that we used to do because I think there's a learning process when you are hands-on. Absolutely. Well, isn't it also controlling the content? Yeah, and oh yeah, that's another. Oh. That, that's a, obviously it's a bigger topic, but it's a big topic. Yeah. When when what we want to prom, uh, promote in, you know, healing doesn't fit the narrative because of the control issues on the back end. I know that's a deeper topic. I know that big pharma has to be entered into that discussion and big insurance. Uh, long and short of it is, can we just all get back to, we want to help people yeah. heal themselves, heal their body, heal their mind. It'll heal their soul. Can we just get back to that? That's the whole purpose of why we're even here today and discussing this, because that's where our, our focus is. And I think most of the people here in America, even around the world, they're starting to question, wait a second, why doesn't my narrative fit your narrative? Oh, that's right. Your narrative is controlled by big money and big control issues. Okay, I don't, can we just help my dad feel better? He can't breathe very well. My point is, 
they wouldn't listen. They, meaning the people at the hospital, wouldn't listen to us when my dad was in the hospital. We were saying, here's our protocols that we've learned about. Why don't you use these? Because it doesn't fit our narrative. And it's also because uh, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic, Brian. These are the protocols we have to follow. Yep. Again, it came down to the control one more time. I think we're doing a huge disservice to our future medical professionals when we water it down, like David just said. They yeah. water it down so badly. Um, and even your example, where all of a sudden you're past the third question. Uh, you know what? There's 97 more questions that I want to ask you, <laughs> yeah. and you don't know those? That's, that's scary. As a patient, that's scary to hear that, and I, I see it firsthand uh, with some of the institutions that we deal with. But I guess my point is, if our we want our narrative to start fitting the rest of the population. And that part of that narrative doesn't include being controlled by the big money on the back end. Right. And I think that's part of our, our challenge as a society. That we've got to get our arms around because Eastern medicine, they don't, they don't focus on that. Western medicine, oh, yeah, we focus on the big insurance and the big pharma <coughs> initiatives. The, the analogy I want to make, mention, I always say when I did hospital, I was a hospital doc, too, for about 17 years. And I got out for a few reasons. One, it got satisfaction-based. It wasn't good medicine. It was like, all right. The Jayco ratings. Are you getting a good spot? It was just about getting. It's like it was basically before Yelp and all these. I'm being honest. It was not best outcomes, but you wanted to get a good rating. Second of all, the analogy I would always use too would be like going to a restaurant. Right, you're given a menu, and, and the menu in medicine is CPT codes, right? And if a lot of that stuff is not in the CPT codes, they don't know how to bill it, so they don't have it. If you can't bill it, then you can't administer it nutrition, diet, immune you know, mindset, mental therapy. So it's like going to a restaurant and saying, well, I want to go off the, can I go off the menu and do this? No, I'm not allowed. You can just do, this is all you can order on the menu, which is, which happens a lot. So medicine's fallen in that category. If you can't bill for a lot of these kind of outside the realm, then they don't do it. And that's the problem. It's, it is, it's controlling the content. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then they let the patient say, well, all right, we'll just, we got to get you out. Our diagnostic DRG codes are saying you're, for instance, you're coming in for a hip replacement, you're out next day, all right, you're supposed to be, we can't, we're going to minimize those complications so we can get out. Then the rest of this stuff you can do on your own. So they leave it to the patients to do the other things that we talk about on the mental therapy and the exercise immune system. So we got to figure out how to integrate that back into Yes, Eddie. Yeah, so uh, thank you, Dr. Carpano and uh, Brian Hazelbrand. Now, ever since my brother passed away in 1983, I went on a global quest to find a cure for cancer. After 33 years, I finally met a group of patients that were sent home to die 40, 30, 20 years ago by their doctors, and they're still alive today. I redirected my efforts from supporting MD Anderson, Johns Hopkins, Mayo Clinic into investigating why these people were alive decades later after being sent home to die. And my answer came in very simple. I was able to track down the doctors, a lot of you are here today, who believed in following the rule of God instead of the rule of man. Okay? All of you took risks doing that, like what you just said, Dr. C, it's not on the menu, but somehow you know what's right for your patient, and you did what's right for your patient. I came to one conclusion. The root of all these problems is one word, politicians. It so happens I was fortunate enough to move to Arizona, and I met the politicians who were solving the same problem. So the politicians are the root of the problem, all these problems, and they all are also the solution of all these problems. So being a simple person, an accountant, to me, if we're able to support the politicians who truly care for the people, who really will not get influenced by the content manipulators, yeah. then we will have a better world. We just have to identify these politicians, and we can identify them right now, by looking at their records, uh -huh. we have a senator in Arizona who's done nothing but pass medical freedom legislation. And if we, we can replicate that senator, her name is Nancy Bartow, we will have a much better world. 
if we unite and support these politicians who are putting down the right legislation that will help us get healthier, then we will have a much healthier world. Thank you. Yeah, and I think what's happened, people are hungrier <clears throat> now for alternatives because, you know, a lot of, I can talk to you from personal experience in Florida, there's a lot of people that I know that sent a loved one to the hospital who didn't come back out. <laughs> and I can talk from, you know, one of my dearest friends and brother in Christ. His wife told them what medication she did not want her husband getting. There's a lot of controversy with it. And you know, they hit him with it twice, and I believe that's what killed him. I lost my assistant. I lost him. I lost two board members. I lost an assistant. Um, and of one of those board members, his 26-year-old son as well, that all went to the hospital. They all got hit with the same drug, and it was classified as pneumonia-induced COVID when I believe it was really their kidneys stopping and their lungs fill, filling up. So, you know, here we have a whole medical protocol and we have, we're supposed to be a free country, but yet it's overtaken one sixth of our economy and people are looking for alternatives, but they're saying, oh no, you have to see an MD. And no, listen, I know there's some good MDs, obviously I've, I've been in conference with them over the weekend and currently and you know or do but there's this huge vacuum with healers because there are people who are healers spiritual healers physical healers emotional healers and you know it's so much safeguarding profit centers and they they say oh but we're, we're protecting the american public from people that that might lead you astray, but yet when these chemical companies come on and do 75% of our TV ads and tell you that you're going to lose an eye, going to fall out the eye socket and your, you know, your hearing won't be right and you won't, you know, you may not be able to have kids, you know, just because they tell you all the awful things that can possibly happen, it's okay that the medical system all offers that, but a natural healer that may not have a horrible, dirty laundry list is all of a sudden put out as some voodoo practice trying to steal your money. But when they're re reading off all of these, uh, you know, horrible things, everybody on the commercial is smiling. You know? so, <laughs> yes. You know. Yes. <laughs> yes, and I won't have grandkids. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you bleed out of the eyes, you know, every other orifice <laughs> you got, but... When one of the side effects is death, yeah. it just yeah. goes over the top and people say, that's what I need. I need that right there because that's going to solve my problems. They still have to read that off, but we don't, as a society, we don't hear that, those, all those side effects. Uh, in our discussion last week, last weekend, I loved what Senator Bartow said, where she said, I don't call it alternative medicine. I don't believe in that. I believe in traditional medicine because that's where it's all started. Right. And I loved what, when she encapsulated it around that word <clears throat> traditional, because that's what we believe in, in this room today. That's what we all believe in. What the rest of society has come to believe, though, is that traditional medicine is all the garbage that we're being It's fed. the recipe card. It's the recipe card. It's the menu. If it doesn't fit the menu, sorry, we can't help you. You also talked about, and I'm sorry to hear that you lost loved ones and friends to COVID. I was one of those oh, individuals. Oh, no. I honestly don't believe it was to COVID. Oh, I believe it was to the recipe I, card. That's exactly what I'm going to say because I was told I had COVID. This was uh, January of 2021, so just a little over a year ago. And I needed to get to the hospital because I was gasping for air. Long time ago, 25 years ago, I, I got uh, what we call here in, the, in Arizona Valley Fever. Mm -hmm. And it really messed up with messed my lungs up badly. So I was, I was compromised. All of a sudden, I had double pneumonia. I didn't know about that. I'm gasping for air. Doctor said, you need to get to the ER right away. We need to admit you into the hospital. My oxygen level was uh, hovering between 75 and 77. I mean, I was, it was not good. So my wife and I are driving to the hospital, and an unbelievable, overwhelming feeling said, don't go. Mm -hmm. So I, I kept fighting that, driving to the hospital, gasping for air, wanting to get some relief. And then what popped into my mind was we had two neighbors that one was age 41, the other one, four children. The other one was age 53, four children. They went to the hospital. They were put on the ventilator. They did not come home. And I believe it was the same thing that happened to your loved ones and friends. 
their lungs filled up and they died of pneumonia. Or the, no, but they we, call it pneumonia. But they, whatever the diagnosis was, and mm-hmm. what, yeah, in fact, uh, even when my dad passed away, they wanted to put on his dirt death certificate. They put on their de- on his death certificate that he died of COVID. I said, you get that off there, or our attorneys are going to get ramped up real quick. It's very clear. I'm not kidding, and I'm not kidding you. And I told the administrators this. I'm not kidding you. That comes off that death certificate because he did not die of COVID. Uh, we can prove it. So thank goodness they changed that. My point is, I, we turned back around. My wife and I turned back around. She had the same overwhelming feeling that something's wrong, something's amiss. Don't continue down this path of going to the hospital. Now, I look back at that experience and I think, well, how sad is that as a patient that I don't trust the medical system anymore? Mm-hmm. How sad is that that maybe the hospital would have gotten paid extra money if they just put on my death certificate that I died of COVID? That's very sad. That, that's why we all are in this room today to discuss how we can help wake people up to the fact that there is traditional medicine. And I even think of Cameron and the work that he does. I'm also a patient. I tore my, my MCL a couple of years ago. I was in a foreign country and had to hobble around for a couple of days. When I got home, my doctor said, we need to cut you. We need, we need to fix that. Tell them what that is. So Microcurrent therapy. Yes. Uh, we had that at our office. I said, okay, let's give it a try. We went through six different sessions. They were each about 50 minutes, maybe close to 60 minutes. I never went under the knife. I never had surgery. My knee is completely fine today. Two and a half years later, I have no pain whatsoever in my knee. And it was because of traditional medicine and using the technology of microcurrent therapy that Cameron does. And that healed me. Yeah, it it but, wasn't going under the knife and calling mm-hmm. up the insurance to say, hey, by the way, you got to cover my surgery. Right. There's yeah. such a huge portion of the population that goes in for surgery that exactly. probably doesn't need it. Exactly. Huge. But that's the whole point. Each person is parceled out as a profit center. Mm-hmm. You have an ear doctor. You have an eye doctor. You have, you know, every <laughs> single, and it's not just the medical. We can't even cut our own hair. That requires our own. Thank goodness some of us don't need to. (laughs) Saving a lot of money over here. (laughs) You know, every single thing on our body is somebody's profit center that requires a license almost to a point of ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, no, it's at the point of ridiculous. It's, 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 when I think back of my story, these things, or you don't. Well, you just hit. No, sorry, that's a great point. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, this is bigger than medicine. Wait, it is. We, we've been yeah. conditioned as a society just on behavioral patterns, and like for instance, I saw that one that I'll just give you a case in point on the, the social dilemma movie. The engineers of Google and Facebook on conditioning yourself to like likes and notifications. We are so patterned on different societal right. tendencies, but you're right. We have a somebody in the office, and everybody gets sometimes they get somebody who walks in, they're a little upset, whether it's parking or time, and we have great patients. But sometimes those are the same people that may have issues at Starbucks or you know. So there, we're conditioned a lot of different things that happen in our world where you're getting a rea- you know positive reaction, negative reaction. So like you said, there are some negative reactions, positive reaction. But it's the way we kind of bring together and we have to re- almost have to recondition. Like you said, there, there's a negative outlook right now mm-hmm. on COVID. And it's, as a physician who's on both sides of it, and so I'm treating it, you have to, we have to re-educate, recalibrate the, the health system so that there is a pot. You, you would want to go to the ivory, right? Exactly. So you're feeling, you want to go and you're feeling, all right, I am at the place where I need to be. Like when we when we were in, in Cleveland, it was like you had they gave us the Sandler Method of Sales course, which was the course that you know they teach. Hey, you're at the place to be. If not, there's the door. We'll be open for you next time. And I try to. We need to create that that ivory tower feel, even at the smallest level, right? Yeah, I, even I, the traditional medicine. Back the rest of my story, I called Eddie. <laughs> I said, Hey, I, I can't breathe. <laughs> what do I do? He said, well, uh, you have a very good friend that you've known for a long time. Call him. He's a naturopathic MD. Let's see what he's got to offer. Uh, I got a serum of quercetin and NAC and a few other minerals put in there. And within three days, I was doing just fine. Mm -hmm. If I had gone to the hospital and been on that ventilator, I probably would have been dead by then. Mm -hmm. But instead, I got a natural healing product 
that was created by really caring doctors and friends of mine who said, Dr. Dino Prado and Dr. Early, I thank them and Eddie for Eddie waking me up to say, hey, brother, you know what? Did, are you really that dumb? Is this an old football injury with the head? Are you, what are you forgetting about your friends there? Call, call Dino. And they got involved and they, and they saved my life. And Dr. Carfagno is doing the same thing now with, with protocols that they have for COVID. You don't have to go to the hospital and be put on the ventilator. You don't have to do all these crazy things where you now don't trust the system. Just do these things uh, that help save your life and improve your life. Uh, and I, I've, uh, I'll be forever grateful for Eddie for <laughs> reminding me to call the right people and for Dr. Ertley and Dr. Uh, Prado for helping me because uh, they saved me. That's, that's the rest of the story, but it was from traditional medicine. Yeah. yeah. So let me let me talk about your injury, uh, Brian, about your knee. I have a very good friend of one of the most famous surgeons in the world who claims after he retired that 95% of surgeries are unnecessary. 90%. Well, right. So 95%. 95%. So he basically told me, Eddie, let's make it simple. You're an accountant. I'm going to simplify it to you. If there's something wrong with your car and you go to Midas muffler place, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to go home with a muffler, okay? <laughs> so if there's something wrong with your body and you go to a surgeon, what do you think is going to happen to you? They're going to operate on you. I said, I'm an accountant, sir. What's the solution here? Boils down to right education. Yeah. And the right education can only happen, once again, if our politicians legislate that all medical licensed professionals must take a course on integrative, what we call holistic medicine. Breaking down the hostility, there's almost a war between people who, because you don't have to be, I have a background in chemistry, physics, and biology, but you don't have to have that to be a healer when you're dealing with all natural herbs and substances. And all of a sudden, because that's healing people, that's a threat to the people who have, I mean, gone into huge amount of debts to work in these ivory towers, so to speak. (coughs) So now you have this conflict and you have a system put out against the people that are using all natural ways that does help a number of people. But now those are discriminated against by insurance, by policy, by cancel culture, so to speak. Right. So, I'm it, such a huge, I mean, I, I come from the athlete world, right? And from the teamwork world, you know, and it takes different positions to, right. to make the team, you know, to make a winning team and combining what medicine is really good at right now. The Western medicine is, you know, cause you get in a car accident or you have, you know, fall from a third story of a building. Thank God they got an emergency room. But when it comes to wellness, there's terrible, absolutely terrible. So we need the natural side of things and and bring these two together. What you're doing, Doc, is is the way to do it. I mean, we we got the combination of both. Let's put them both together correctly. Let's fill in these gaps where where what the system that we have right now sucks at. I mean, it just sucks. <laughs> and um, and the numbers prove it. Numbers don't lie. No, and, it's and, one-sixth of our economy now. Yeah. And so... We're the sickest people in the world. Coming from an atmosphere where it's it's all about results. In, in Major League Baseball or any high-level athlete or uh, sports, it's all about results. You don't care about the science behind it. You can, you know, whatever. Save your science. Does it work? Yes, and, when, and when we get to test it out day by day by day, you know, you get hurt and you go in and you try the laser, you try the you know, ultrasound, you try the this, that, the other. And as an athlete, we go, okay, what's going to get me well quickly and keep me well? Not just get me well when I get hurt, but what's going to keep me well? And you can uh, give yourself a plug. Just say it. Microcurrent therapy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's, it's why I love doing what I do. Yeah, because uh, Dr. Uh, saving lives. That's exactly a prime example of what we're talking about today. Because you're not an MD, you're not a DO, but by practical experience, by being able to try at a high level just about everything that was out there, you learned what worked. And now, yeah, some people learn through the school of hard knocks. Not everybody goes through university, but you're not prescribing things that could potentially kill someone. Right. You know, there's a big difference. What 
what I do, we don't have any side effects. We have side benefits. Right. <laughs> and what I do too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of side benefits. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps. It's one of the only, one of the very few things that helps with neurological problems. Now we're talking about some microcurrent stuff. But, um, you know, all of a sudden people's inflammation go away and they, other things start to mend that they didn't even disclose right. when they start with the hyperbaric oxygen. By the way, I did want to clear up something, maybe clarify something. I know I talked about my traumatic brain injury, so my head trauma. I know I talked about my knee being torn up and I've talked about COVID. I promise you I'm not a train wreck like it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they're like, okay, enough of the health stories, bro. <laughs> you're your example right here. So I think we'll have to call it a day here, but I think all of you, this has been a phenomenal exchange, and I know that there will be things that individuals can take out of this. The mind is a powerful thing, and I, I think it's really incumbent upon all of us and everybody listening to try to capture all those thoughts that aren't positive and capture the negative because it really is a battlefield of the mind. Scripturally, it says that we're not given a spirit of fear, but one that is supposed to overcome. So really aligning what is the obstacle to your success and figuring out how you're going to overcome it. And with prayer and God's help, he's willing to show you. And so I just want to bless everybody before we leave. I thank all of you. May God bless all of your endeavors as healers. May the Holy Spirit guide you in everything you do. May your angelic hosts and helpers be beside you to protect you. And we strike down any negative word curse, anything that has been sent out against your mission by the mighty name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over this office that we're in right now, that great miracles will transpire out of it to his glory and that people not only will be healed physically, but they will be healed physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually in the mighty name of Jesus. This is just a small portion of what is going to help restore America, but it's going to catch on like wildfire. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in to The Soul Connection. We can be found at soulconnectionusa.com with our developing community. Please join us again every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, find new ways this week and every week to make your own Soul Connections.